Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, good. I am good. How are you? I am hanging in there. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're going through it. It shall I was pass. Thinking about you last night. Yeah, I was thinking mm. about you. That's sweet. Thank you. I think I'm better today than I was yesterday, but woke up with a migraine. I'm sure that's all a part of it. So. Anyways, is it just us two chickens? Uh, as far as I know, yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Oh, I'm stretching. <laughs> <laughs> You and Max doing your morning routine? Mm. Yes, we are, indeed. You know, um, my morning routine has been completely off this whole time that um, I've been going through this whatever thing I've been going through. So it is a great relief to wake up naturally at about 6 or 6.30 and feel pretty rested. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My routine has been completely off, uh, so it, I'm, it's it's a really really good sign to be waking up naturally and you know like able to get out of bed without feeling completely unrested. Oh, such a relief! Yeah, such a relief. That's good. Here today at my house. Big trucks going by. Oh. Grabbing out my book. I didn't have it out yet. Here at the ready. I like these chapters. How about you? Um. I have been so overwhelmed with life, I haven't read them. So, <laughs> oh. Well, they're good. You'll yeah, like them. I, they're good. You'll like them. I'm very glad you got to get up and feel like at a normal time and feel your normal self. That, I know for me, it's, that kind of stuff makes such a huge difference. <laughs> you know, yeah, you wake you know, up. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm reading this book on menopause. And it's called The Wisdom of Menopause by Dr. Christian Northrup. Oh, yeah. It's a huge yeah. book. It's got information about like A to Z, everything you could experience. And her her approach always includes 
she talks about chakras, um, not too much, but she, you know, she brings in these ideas that, you know, from energy medicine and I guess, I don't know if metaphysics is the right word, but she talks about, um, uses analogies. Um, and so she's not just strictly medical, but she talks about mind, body, and anyway, there's a story that she tells about how she felt at midlife, and she she, she uses the story of um, one morning during a snowstorm, she set out to the gym at six in the morning like she always did, and she was driving to the gym, and it turned out the roads were really slick. And she lost control of her car, and it spun around a couple of times. She said slowly, but it spun around a couple of times and came to a rest next to the guardrail on the side of the road. And she said it was, you know, really unnerving and scary while she was spinning. But once the car stopped and there was no oncoming traffic, she just slowly merged back into traffic and got on the road and drove to her exercise class, made it to her exercise class, and even did her exercise class. She said, this experience is a really great analogy for what some women go through at midlife with menopause. And that's exactly what I feel like the the last six weeks have been for me. Like, I just, like, spun out. Not, you know, my my body just wasn't right, and it was very very scary. Yeah, and I'm working on moving moving past it, and uh, you know, it's so funny because I went to um, I went to a meeting Sunday night, and there was a gal at the meeting who, um. I'm not on the best terms with, and it's just funny because I always try to see the symbolism in things, and, you know, we had been spending some time together since I moved up here in Oceanside, and I realized over time that she was, um, she's not a good friend. She had a lot of room for herself to talk, but whenever I would talk or if I would bring a subject up again, she'd be, she's like, she would say things like, um, wow, you know, you just keep talking about this. Don't you think it's time you should let it go? And, you know, um, anyway, so I walked in the meeting and, and there she was and thought it's just, it's interesting how um, important, I've learned, my point being in telling that is that I've learned that talking about things until I am, until I have a, a like an understanding about them is really important to me in my just in my life and I I thrive when I have friends who will you know allow me space to recover or understand life events you know at, at my own pace and yeah I guess I, I don't know. I don't know what that has to do, but you know what? It does have to do with our topic because having good friends and close relationships is a form of wealth. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Yeah, and 
I mean, same for me. I need to talk about something until I don't need to talk about it anymore. And certain things get a hold of me by the throat more than others, you know. And honestly, sometimes there are certain topics that, like when I was talking to you yesterday, like I am mm-hmm. so sick of that topic. Like I, I personally am sick of that topic. So like when you were like, do you want to talk? There was a part of me that was like, all I could think of is not about me, like not about what's going on with me, but uh, but I know that doesn't help me, you know. I know it doesn't help me to just try and shove it away. So, you know, I mean, I was I was I was delighted to hear your voice and hear what's happening with you, and I needed to talk about what was going on with me, and um, you know. But I'm with you. I mean, I have to talk about something until I can sort it for myself and. Because I'm I'm trying to make connections to things usually that that's what the talking about it does for me is partly is it takes some of the energy away and the emotion you know it like it like deescalates the emotion around it and because usually there's some connection with something else and and a lot of times when I can see it and hear it for myself that's when I can go oh that's what that is you know and that's that you know that beautiful you know, the three A's and Al-Anon, you know, the awareness, acceptance, and action. And, you know, the acceptance part takes me a while, you know, and I have to have awareness and have acceptance before I can do something about something. And, you know, so I totally agree having close friendships and being able to say what we need to say so we can sort it out for ourselves is, you know, not awful important. And not everybody's up for that, you know, just the reality. Not everybody. No, and it's, it's interesting that I, I I ran into two people since I've been up here who did ex- virtually the same exact thing. Um, that that woman um, who I well, and the last time it ha- the last time it happened, we were having dinner. And we had just ordered our food, and she said something to me like, "Like, um, you know, wow, you know, something." She she shut me down. I was bringing up an issue that I had talked about before, but in all fairness, I had just come from a meeting where, like, something had triggered me, and and so I sit down and I. And I, you know, I I looked at my side. I'm like, God, did I come on too strong? Was I being too loud or obnoxious? Did I ask her how she was doing first? And I, I did. I was fine. You know, I wasn't being obnoxiously in her face and needy. I was just, yeah, you know, how was your day? And I told her what was happening. And she, she just shut me down. And in the moment, I, you know, in the, it was really great for me because I saw myself in the moment realized it wasn't okay with me, and I kind of jokingly, you know, I wasn't disrespectful to her, but I I, I kind of, I said, wow, you know, I'm really sorry I'm not getting over this on your timeline. That Mm -hmm. that really set her aback. I mean, it wasn't, you know, mean, but, you know, it's like, (laughs) I don't know. It's interesting that, that, you know, it happened with this lady and then also the gal that I had thought might be my sponsor. And 
instead of being hurt by that or mad at God or feel disappointed, I'm looking, you know, I'm realizing that it's, it's just, uh, I don't like to use the word test, but, you know, it's growth for me to see these, um, you know, and to not try to continue a relationship with someone who has already showed me who they are. Yeah. You know, in both, in both cases, even though I was disappointed to lose um, a new friend, you know, the place that they filled in my life, uh, I, I just know that that's not okay. Once I realize the behavior in someone, you know, then I, I can look back through our relationship and see, oh, this has kind of been going on the whole time. It's just now that we've known each other for a while, the person kind of lets their hair down and it it comes out more prominently. And so I, I was able to walk away from both of those relationships feeling like I did the right thing. And and I don't need to fix the relationship. It's nothing I did wrong. It's just seeing the person for who they are and, you know, making a decision. Is, is this someone I want in my life? Or do I want to create space for someone more appropriate to come into my life? So that's been a lesson for me. And like I said, I think it's a form of wealth. Um, you know, sometimes just those experiences just give me gratitude for the people I do have in my life. You know, sometimes our best, best friends, you know, we we almost don't see how amazing they are until we have that contrast. You get somebody mm-hmm. treating, being shitty, right? Like being a <laughs> shitty thing, right? And then mm-hmm. it's like, dang. Yeah, being able to have the contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So sorry I didn't read the chapters. Um, No, no problem. I read them. So, I mean, we can still talk about them if that, you know, it'll just be probably me blabbing more initially and then you chiming in after I blab about what I've highlighted and, you know, and yeah, you know, the, the, I think I told you about this. I used to have somebody that I ran with up in Washington and it was somebody that had been a really close friend and then they moved away and just kind of dropped me like a hot potato when they moved away. And then they ended up moving and then they ended up moving back to town again, you know, and so I just talked to them, and I was like, you know, what's the what? Um, and, I mean, and looking back on it, I can see that if they dropped me like a hot potato when they moved out of town, like, that was information. But I didn't pay close enough attention to it. And so we resumed a friendship, and then, you know, it ended up kind of going down in flames and, and and it's it's one of the few situations where you know I kind of feel like I really did kind of keep it clean on my side of the street, and so my part in it was just staying invested in it for too long, like mm-hmm. 
you know, for trying to make it work too long. And, you know, and the whole thing was just really kind of, uh, it was, frankly, it was just really silly. You know, it was, you know, we'd become close friends again, and then they started a new 12-step group, but thought I would, apparently thought I was going to judge them over it. And, um, which makes me wonder if they really knew who I was at all. But, because, um, you know, I mean, somebody reaching out for help, like, I'm generally a, pretty much a cheerleader when people are doing what they think is the next thing they need to do to get better, you know. So, anyways, so because she was afraid I was going to judge her, she started, this wall came up between us. And she started treating me as if I'd done something to her. You know, when you're around people and they actually treat you like you've hurt them or offended them or something. And so, you Um, know, it's a a repeating pattern. I mean, I have this with other people in my family too, right? So so I asked her and it went on for like six months and we were still friends, but there was this wall and there was just this, it felt, it just didn't feel like a very honest friendship. And I asked several times um, and you know, basically was told, no, it's really nothing about you, it's me. But then I still kept getting treated that way. So finally, I don't know, it was probably after about six months of this nonsense, I finally, we were out, but she would still call me and ask me to go out and do things. So finally, we were out at lunch one day. And after lunch was over, we were walking out of the restaurant. And I said, you know, I just got to tell you something. Um, I can't, this is too painful for me. So either you know, I said, I've asked you if I've done something and you've said I haven't, but you continue to treat me as if I have. So either I've done something or I haven't. And if I have, I need you to tell me what the fuck it is. And if I haven't, I need you to let me off the hook. Um, because this thing of you saying I haven't done something, but treating me like I have doesn't work for me. And it's really unfair. And so if I genuinely haven't done something, then this has just been pretty bogus. And if I have, then I just need you to tell me because I can't do this, whatever this dance is we've been doing. And so finally she told me she joined another 12-step program and she was afraid I was going to judge her and, you know, and then reject her. And I said, so you rejected me before I could reject you? Is that kind of what was happening? And she goes, well, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, I guess that's what I did. And I said, I see. So for six months, I've been basically taking a wall up for something I didn't actually do. Um, and she said, yeah, pretty much. It was just kind of a very, it was a very cold conversation. Like I couldn't quite, you know, and I said, well, you know, I can appreciate that. But honestly, at this point, like I'm really hurt. And it's painful to me that it was okay for you to treat me this way. It was okay with you for you to treat me this way for all these months, even when I was telling you it was painful, Um, you know, and I just needed for us to talk about what was really going on. And, um, you know, and so she's like, well, I'm sorry, I didn't really think about that. And I said, well, I can appreciate that. And um, I said, I have to tell you right now, I'm hurt. And honestly, I'm a little bit angry about it. And I said, you know, I don't want this to go down as it having anything to do with the 12-step program that you're in or that you're going because it doesn't have anything to do with that. 
no, nothing, zero zilch. It has to do with the the way this all went down between you and I. Because I'm excited for you for the other program. I totally support you. I'm happy that you, you know, have it. If that's something that you've got to work through, I don't have any judgment about it. Um, but it doesn't feel good the way this all happened. And so, anyways, so we. You know, I didn't shut the door on her. I just said I just need a little bit of time to kind of work this through. And so, you know, we'd still go out to coffee and, you know, get together. But I was struggling with trying to get through it because, um, because I just felt like I had been deemed guilty for something that I didn't actually do. And I was treated as if I had treated her poorly when I hadn't. And so I was just trying to work through it, and I didn't close the door on her, and I didn't do any of that stuff, I, you know. But I just could like, I wasn't getting over it quick enough. And so about, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe four weeks, maybe six, we were talking on the phone, and, and she just basically told me, you know what, I'm tired of this. And, you know, you either, you're either going to get over it or you're not, but, you know, I'm not doing this anymore with you. And so you're either going to be my friend. and yeah, she said that to me. So you're either going to be my friend and, you know, we're going to drop this or, um, you know, we're not. But I'm not doing this anymore. And I and so I said to her, so let me understand this. For six months, you could treat me in a certain kind of way. And now um, when I'm actually telling you the truth about why I'm struggling and I'm trying to work through it with you, you don't have time to do that. You know, you don't have the time and the patience to do that. You won't make that commitment to our friendship to do that. And she said, no, it's just, it's just not, I don't want to do it. So either get over it or don't. And I was like, okay, it's good to know. And so, um, so I said, fine. And so then I got an email from her about being at meetings together and, you know, what were we going to do when we were at meetings together? And I said, well, I was assuming it's going to be the way it always is. When people go to meetings together, we go to the meetings, we're polite, we're friendly to each other. We maybe say hello, maybe give each other a hug at the end of the meeting, like it's customary for us to do at meetings. So anyways, so she emailed me back and she said, yeah, that sounds okay. And then a day later, I got an email and she said, no, don't, don't hug me. Don't really, don't talk to me at meetings. You know, you can just kind of give me a wave and move along. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, not everybody has the patience to dig in and show up in certain kinds of ways. And it was instructive for me, you know, because it was it's a really great example of somebody who showed me who they were. And, you know, I, I had to I had to tap that will twice before I could believe it. And, you know, I've had friends call me and say, you know, and she said, I just don't really want to do this anymore and be in communication. And I never told anybody in the meetings what was going on. I never said anything. And so one of my close friends from meetings thought that I'm the one that told her that I didn't really want us to be connected anymore. And so when the gal's mom got really sick and there were problems, my friend contacted me and said, hey, I think, you know, you should reach out to her. You know, I know you have your issues with her, but this is bigger than that. And I just said, well, thanks for letting me know. And I didn't say anything because at the end of the day, she's the one that told me she didn't want to hear from me. So I didn't reach out to her because... I figured if she didn't want to talk to me, reaching out to her at a really painful time in her life was, wasn't the right time to do it. And, you know. Now, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I interject something? Sure. This is, this, this, this is and it, I'm picturing this type of person, and 
I wonder, is she the kind of person who, I'm not saying you should have reached out to her. I'm, I'm chuckling to myself because I've known that type of person. And then they tell, it, they tell you, no, don't contact me. But then when you don't contact it, them, like the mom gets sick, you don't contact them. Then they get mad at that, right? Yeah, I no, I already hadn't had contact with her for years. So, oh, and no, okay. she didn't want me to have contact with her. I still lived up there for a couple years after that exchange before I moved away. And she genuinely didn't really want to be around me. You know, like we'd, we'd maybe all of us go as a group to, you know, lunch after meetings and stuff. And, it you know, we would be polite with one another. But no, she didn't have any, she didn't have any interest. And, you know, and then the other, you know, kind of mutual acquaintance, I mean, friend of mine, friendly with her, because she never knew the story, she always assumed it was me that terminated oh. things. Because of the way that it had all gone down, because of the way that girl uh-huh. had acted for so long, she had assumed that I was the one that slammed the door shut. Um, she made that assumption, and I never corrected it because I just felt like it wasn't, you know, I just felt like it was talking, you know, telling stories out of school because we were in the same meeting together and all that stuff. So I didn't, you know, I wanted the meeting to be a safe place, and I wasn't trying to take my dirty laundry to other people in the meeting. So, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a good lesson for me to, you know, have boundaries about taking care of myself. Looks like Amanda probably joined us. Are you on, Amanda? Are you still muted? are you're still muted let me see if i can unmute you from here Uh oh there is that better ah now i can hear you (laughs) sweet lauren it's like getting through a maze to get to you guys aren't you so Uh glad that they upgraded don't you love the upgrade (laughs) oh my god i love upgrades i know it's fantastic Sometimes low grade instead of an upgrade is really better. Right? Yeah. Hey, coming from a systems person, that's something. (laughs) Hey, our system software is super low grade, and I've had three clients have their servers crash, but our software and the content was okay, but their servers were jacked up, and all their high-tech stuff was basically scrapped, but our stuff was okay. So sometimes low tech is... is, uh, you know, it has a certain amount of strength to it. So, sorry, Ellen, I wasn't kind of trying to interject into the middle of what we were talking about. It's just I saw Amanda had hopped on, and so I just wanted to make sure that I got to acknowledge her. So, um, yeah, I no, No, I was just babbling about an old friend. So I think we were basically coming to the end of it. But, you know, mostly yeah, I just I, I agree with you, Ellen. I think there's certain people that, you know, they show us who we are. And, you know, sometimes I can't believe in the first time. I have to see it a couple of times before I go, oh, okay, that is really who they are. Um, and, you know, but it does. It does give good contrast about the other people in my life. And, you know, and definitely having good friends is all a part of wealth. For sure, mm. you know, I totally agree with you on that one. So, and how are you, Miss Amanda? I'm um, doing okay. 
I just, uh, I'm sorry I'm late. I, I don't like waking up to missed phone calls from family members at 5.30 in the morning. So I was on the phone with my, one of my sisters trying to talk her off a ledge. Huh? Boy, family stuff, man. Oh, family. Um, you know, I had a good laugh though. She told me, <laughs> she told me she had this dream that my mom was a Russian dictator. She <laughs> was. <laughs> my mom was a Russian dictator, uh, and she was trying to kill her, and um, and she had to escape and all this. And I was like, well, that sounds like a little bit of mommy issues and a little bit of. At the genetic DNA stuff, and she's like, "What?" I'm like, "Well, you know, we have we have Russians in our family who actually escaped the revolution. <laughs> that could have just been cellular memory <laughs> protecting your mommy stuff." <laughs> oh my oh, god! Goodness. Anyway, oh, how are you guys doing? Um, I've had a few bumps in the road, but on the in the bigger scheme of things, I'm fine. The other scheme of things, I've just been, you know, working through some stuff. So, I'm sick of this particular of topic. This stuff? Pardon? But aren't you tired of this stuff? Yeah, because the two topics I'm working through, I'm so fucking over it like I'm sick of working through it like I would like a new I want to play a new tune you know I'd like a I'd like a new song that you know how you get a song stuck in your head and you just want it to stop being that's what I feel like these issues that I'm working on it's like they're they're you know I would like to get a new tune that I can be annoyed about and frustrated about and so and all of it's really back to, you know, it all turns back to me and having boundaries and taking better care of myself and not accepting unacceptable stuff. So at the end of the day, that's a big part of, you know, what it amounts to. But in the meantime, I'm annoyed. So Alan got an earful from me yesterday. She was kind enough to let me blab. So. Mm-hmm. I know I saw um the you know whatever spiritual forecast for the for October and it was like taking inventory and I was just like seriously can I have a theme that's like experiencing joy or enjoying abundance <laughs> or like why the fuck is this just like so much fucking work why don't we get a break <laughs> Come on, Wallace Waddle says the stars are conspiring to help us. I get it, but come on, just a little more fun or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Uh, I can. I can. So, Amanda. Amanda, we had made this, uh, what, what we were talking about before you got on was that um, 
we were talking about friendships and relationships and how having really good friends that will um, witness our process and listen to us while we, uh, you know, gain acceptance about whatever's, whatever is, that having great mm-hmm. friends like that is, is a really good form of wealth. And that sometimes people yes. show up. I, I, I shared, well, we both actually, Cheryl and I both shared examples of uh, people who we had in our lives for a period of time who, you know, weren't able to be great friends under that definition. And then the process of um, separating from them and that it casts a light on the people in our lives who are great friends who do support us in the way that we need to be supported. And it, it makes us appreciate, you know, the really great friends even more. Mm-hmm. True. I, I third that motion. Yeah. Oh, I'm very wealthy when it comes to friends. That's where all of my wealth is right now. And then my friendship. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hey, Cheryl, Cheryl, um, I, I can't find the information about what part of the reading we're on. Would you mind sharing that with me? Um, yeah, we're on chapters 11 and 12. It should be in the notes of the calendar invite that I sent out. That's where I put the schedule. But it's um, chapters 11 and 12, which are realization is 11, hurry and habit is 12. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I underlined a lot of stuff in these two chapters, especially realization. Oh, no, I guess that's where I was at when I was reading it. Not like it's, you know, this book, it's just like, it's like with everything. It's not, it's not like any of this was new information, but he does, he's saying it in different ways in the different books, which I like. And they just, there's like different language. And I actually went out and found, at the used bookstore, I found a, um, I was looking for a dictionary or a thesaurus from like the early nineteen, early to mid nineteen thirties when the uh, AA Big Book was written, because they use words mm-hmm. in the book that don't necessarily have the same meanings as they do now. And so I found one from nineteen thirty five, and so I thought, you know, it's closer to the time period this book was written than you know our current. Dictionaries, so I could start looking up books and he- looking up words from this book as well. But you know, there's a few words that he uses in here that I was like, oh, I like the way that he says that. Like in the realization chapter, I started underlining right in the first paragraph when he said, two things are necessary. Basically, he says in the last chapter, if all we ever do is, you know, clear do not other people decide what you are to be 
be what you feel you want to be. Um, and then it says if that's all we do, it's not enough. There's two things that are necessary. First, the making of the thought form. And second, I like the way he says this, the actual appropriation to yourself of all that goes into and around the thought form. We have discussed the first, and now we will proceed to give directions for the second. When you have made your thought form, you are already in your interior, what you want to be. Next, you must become externally what you want to be. You are already great within, but you are not yet doing the great things without. You cannot begin on the instant to do the great things, but you can always begin to do small things in a great way. Somebody else said that too. I think, but I think Wallace was alive before the other person. Is that Martin Luther King Jr.? Maybe. Here lies the whole secret. You can begin to be great today in your own home in your store or office, on the street, everywhere. You can begin to make yourself known as great and you can do this by doing everything you do in a great way. You must put the whole power of your great soul into every act, however small and commonplace, and so reveal to your family, your friends and neighbors what you really are. Do not brag or boast of yourself. Do not go about telling people what a great Personage you are. Simply live in a great way. No one will believe you if you tell him you are a great man, but no one can doubt your greatness if you show it in your actions. In your domestic circle, be so be so just, so generous, so courteous and kindly that your family, your wife, husband, children, brothers, and sisters shall know that you are a great and noble soul. And all your relations with men be great, just, generous, courteous, and kindly. The great are never otherwise. This for your attitude. I mean, sure, I'm going to get right on that. No, I'm definitely not that all the time. You are a great and noble soul. All right. Well. <laughs> Seems like a lot, but <laughs> I like the idea of it, but I'm cool pretty how you sure make that it so simple. I know. You just make it so simple, you know? I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, no one would ever describe me as a great and noble soul. <laughs> That's not true. I would. I mean, I like it, but seriously, that's a bit much. <laughs> Thank you. That is sweet of you. That's that's uh, 
That's a tall ask. It's something worthy of shooting for, though. I mean, yeah. Great and noble soul. I think I'm going to have to write that down and hang it up. I'm pretty sure. Would you say, I'm gonna have say it again? Um, quote? Well, the whole sentence is, no one will believe you if you tell him you are a great man, but no one can doubt your greatness if you show it in your actions. In your domestic circle, be so just, so generous, so courteous and kindly that your family, your wife, your husband, children, brothers and sisters shall know that you are a great and noble soul. Well, that's beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Beautiful. I love that. Plus, it gives me something to do with my time, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Were you feeling bored, Ellen? (laughs) What am I going to do with my life? Well, it gives me, like, all my energy instead of, you know, I don't have to decide on a moment-by-moment basis how I'm going to respond. It's like, if I strive to be that way that Cheryl just described, you know, then that's that's my goal. I think that's a worthy goal. And then I don't have to worry in the moment, am I going to overreact? Am I going to yell at this person? Am I going to flip that driver off? (laughs) You know, am I going to make the snarky comment? You know, it's just, it's good. It's like, no, because I want to be, what does he call it? it a noble person? A great, a, great, a great and noble soul. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely okay. writing that stuff down. A great and noble soul. Like, doesn't, I mean, it just feels like something that would be, like, cool to aspire to. Like, my first sponsor was a great and noble soul, Georgia, the one who died. Yeah. She was revered by so many people, and yet not a guru. She led a step study and always had a kind word and a hug for anyone, and I mean anyone. She was just so loving and kind, and yeah, so it. It's nice to have an example of that. I I try to be like her, but I'm not her, you know. I I have to be try and be kind and noble in in um in my way. I I'm never going to be her, but she reminds me of that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful concept. And then, of course, he always follows it up by the thing he always says, which is, next and most important, you must have absolute faith in your own perceptions of truth. Here comes that faith thing again. And he really harps on the whole faith thing. Um yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go back to the noble soul thing for a second. I'm trying to think of, like, who are the, you know, like, I feel like I have many noble souls in my life. It just, they're in, it's it's in different ways. 
like not all of them are like kind of like I think I'm surrounded by warrior great and noble souls like they're not you know they're not like it's like people that I have a love fest with but it's in a different way it's like like I think of this group as kind of you know I think that's what we're doing in this group And it's just, for me, like, my friendships with each of you are different than my friendships with, you know, either, you know, like, there's similarities but differences between my friendship with Amanda and my friendship with Ellen. Like, you guys, it's different, but at the same level, for me, um, most of the people that I'm close to, there's a certain warrior aspect to it and my definition of warrior is just somebody who keeps fighting the good fight you know they they're they fought the good fight they're still fighting the good fight and it it doesn't mean they're like a aggressive personality or anything like that it's it's that they have some battle scars you know from from the battles that they've either had to fight or have chosen to fight along the way and i think those can be great and noble souls too like, I think there's different definitions of it. I think maybe that's why I love this phrase so much, because I think it's expansive. There's a wide gate, mm-hmm. you know, because the definition of kind for me is somebody who tells the truth and doesn't, you know, they're kind enough to say the truth of a situation and not tell people what they want to hear, but kind of say the truth of a situation, because that's more useful to me. You know, the the truth of a situation is more useful to me. You know, and when when people are just, you know, it's like this expression. Um, I don't, Ellen, you you maybe have heard this before, but like they talk about um, in some of the places that I go, they talk about that the men hang with the men, men and the women hang with the women. Um, yeah. You know. Because the the men will pat you on the ass and the women will save your ass. And <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's what I was taught a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> and it's not that the men can't save it too, but also, you know, there's some cautions around some of that stuff. So, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I well, think there's different ways. when a man pats your ass. Yes. You know, it's not like being in the huddle on the football field and they're patting each other's ass to, you know, it's a sign of encouragement. It can it can be interpreted different ways. So, so I know he gives a just, you know, a definition about just, generous, courteous, and kindly. And I guess it's just what's the interpretation for any of us of those words. But, yeah. Yeah, great and noble soul. What a great turn of phrase. Next and most important, you must have absolute faith in your own perceptions of truth, which is like, I take this as almost like trusting our gut and trusting that we know what we know regardless of what anybody else thinks about it. Never act in haste or hurry. Be deliberate in everything. I will say that is one characteristic that my father 
has about his, at least about his business dealings, is he's very deliberate in the things that he does. Even when he's being rough, like even when he's doing things that I don't agree with, he's being deliberate about it. He's making a choice to do those things and be that way. And so even if I don't agree, I respect the fact that for him it's a deliberate decision. Be deliberate in everything. Wait until you feel that you know the true way. And when you do feel that you know the true way, be guided by your own faith, though all the world shall disagree with you. If you do not believe what God tells you in little things, you will never draw upon his wisdom and knowledge in larger things. When you feel deeply that a certain act is the right act, do it and have perfect faith that the consequences will be good. When you are deeply impressed that a certain thing is true, no matter what the appearances to the contrary may be, accept that thing as true and act accordingly. The one way to develop a perception of truth in large things is to trust absolutely to your present perception of truth in small things. Remember that you are seeking to develop this very power or faculty, the perception of truth. You are learning to read the thoughts of God. I thought that was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. You are learning to read the thoughts of God. Maybe we can sync up our Google Calendar with God. I mean, if we can read his thoughts. Amanda, I think you and I have talked a lot about that, that God does not operate on my Google Calendar. He doesn't. No, I don't know why. It's really, it's, it's just, there's a failure there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know who's on, but Yeah. Well, I mean, if you ask Wallace, he says we're learning to read the thoughts of God. So shouldn't we be able to also, like, tap into his calendar? I mean, I right? think so. I think so. Like, when I I texted um, Nikki on Friday to just be like, all right, girl, help me with the money block. And um, and she goes, she said, um, I don't think there's a block. I'm, I'm, like, when I tune in, I don't hear a block. I... I kind of wonder if what's about what's coming down the pike for me is going to require me to purchase eighty percent of your time here soon. I was like, oh, okay, but that's cool. I just need to know that my bills are paid in the meantime. <laughs> and also, just saying, help a girl out. And also rent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I still think that's amazing. You are learning to read the thoughts of God. Whoa. I mean, trusting our truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
They're working on that. Pretty sure that's what I was talking to Alan about yesterday. <laughs> Seeing it and then acting from it. Nothing is great and nothing is small in the sight of omnipotence. He holds the sun in its place, but he also notes a sparrow's fall and numbers the hairs of your head. God is as much interested in the little matters of everyday life as he is in the affairs of nations. I will say that part, I have actually believed that to be true since I figured out that there was a God that was, you know, related to me. Like, I always felt like there was a God and then other people had him, but I think I've shared this before, but I didn't know what the secret handshake was. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I hung around the program long enough to realize that everybody got gets their own handshake with God. And I could I could have a relationship with God the way that I have it. Because the God of my understanding doesn't really care how I come to him, her, it, whatever. Like, God is less interested in the you know, and the methodology around it as just wanting to be there for us if we're interested. And so I actually have for a long time believed that God, I remember I read, I went back, this was a few years back, I went back and I was reading old journals and um, and I was like doing this dialogue with God where I was asking questions and, you know, jotting down the answers and and I remember I started, I was just journaling and I wrote this sentence um, and I because I was looking for a car at the time. And so I wrote down the sentence. I, wa- I wonder if God, I wonder if God gets involved with the purchase of vehicles. Like, I wonder if God really gets involved with like buying a car. And then I suddenly heard this answer like ringing in my head. It was like, yes. And so I wrote down, okay, yes. And But then all this other stuff started coming out, you know. And I, I read that, I don't know, a handful of years back, but it stuck with me because the thing that was in there that I related to was um, what I had written down was that, um, you know, because I'm a, a car girl and car brings me, cars bring me joy, that, yeah, God's all about a car purchase. You know, because God is about you know, being there with us and he wants us to have everything we want and he's very interested in our joy. And so why wouldn't he get involved with a car purchase? Particularly if it was a car purchase that was going to bring me joy. I can remember thinking that that was pretty, like a pretty profound thing. And so, and I mean, I, I somehow, I mean, I remembered something about writing it when I actually wrote it, but it was interesting to go back years later and reread that and go, huh. I gets involved in buying cars and houses and as it says here, all the hairs on our head. Why do I always go to God has abandoned me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. 
if I was raised with. You know, um, I, uh, I, I, I'll just interject. Uh, I, I wasn't feeling well for several weeks. And, you know, Amanda, I never followed up with you on your very generous offers of help. And um, yeah. I, do, I, I do have a point, so let, I'll just say, tell the whole thing here. Um, but I've been to a bunch of different doctors, and I started grief therapy, started going to some different groups to help me get through this. It, it was sort of like a multifaceted health life transformation that I've been through Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess just bringing one more thing into it was just it was just too much but so many times I thought of how generous that was your offer that that morning and just you guys willingness to to be with me and witness me while I was losing my shit (laughs) I really appreciate it but um, there were during the beginning when my my health thing hit, I spent um, almost a whole week uh, spending a, a lot of hours of the day in bed with hot flashes and heart palpitations and um, severe symptoms of menopause, and I'm like in bed shaking, feeling like I'm gonna die, wishing I would die because I felt so bad, and I just kept saying. God, I'm in complete surrender. I'm just in complete surrender. Just show me, show me, show me the way. And my other affirmation was life happens for me, not to me. Um, You know, more will be revealed. The truth of the situation will be revealed. So, what? I mean, I I was in such a bad way. I, I couldn't afford to think that God had abandoned me. You know, I just chose to pack my brain with all sorts of affirmations, completely surrendering myself to the will of God or the universe, and um, knowing that it was happening for me, not to me. Um, I guess it got me through it. It got me through. You know, I'm feeling well enough now that I'm I'm like, wow, okay, so I seem to be pulling out of this, <laughs> you know. I felt better for several days in a row. Um, but it is hard. Sometimes these things happen in life and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know, what you just said just made me think of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the default response, you know? It's literally just the default because I was raised with a God who played takeaway, you know? And it was just always taken away. And it was always my fault. And so, you know, for a long time I thought I was powerless and that was just how it was going to go. Then I got to college and I realized, oh, I actually have some responsibility here. Like, I can participate in changing things um 
And so I kind of swung to that end where I feel like it's all my responsibility. And so now I'm working to come back to the middle. Wow, that's really insightful. And I can totally relate. Wow. Yeah, because I was raised with people who were like, you know, you're totally subjected to the whims, <laughs> you know, the whims of God. And, you know, at least I had enough experience that I felt like I had experienced enough goodness, you know, like enough goodness of God um, that I felt like, you know, all things worked out eventually for my good. But it's it's deep in there. And then, I, you know, I was raised with characters who played Takeaway too. So it's just my nervous system that is primed to go to abandonment and, you know, everything that I believed isn't true and, you know, all that. All that fun stuff. Yay! Yeah, I can totally, totally relate to that. I mean, especially lately, the um, like when the pendulum swings the other way. And I think part of this crash that I went through was taking on complete responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm. And that was what my big surrender was about. Just like, oh my God, I haven't been listening to, I haven't been listening to God. And my, you know, my vision for my life moving forward is to achieve, you know, a better balance. I guess a lot of people strive for balance. I guess a lot of people do. Balance between action and faith. Yeah, balance in a lot of ways. I actually heard somebody talk about um, shooting for harmony instead of balance. I thought that was an interesting. Oh, I like, I like that. Inter- yeah, interesting tweak on it. I mean, he later went to jail, so. <laughs> but I always, <laughs> you know who it is, self-development world, Let Lodge. Uh-huh. After people killed, <laughs> after people died because of him, that guy. Uh, that guy, but, uh, you know, I was taught a long time ago to take, you know, consider the message, not the messenger. 
So, and I always liked the idea of harmony. Like that seemed more, I don't know, seemed more doable to me actually, you know, to just try and be in harmony with the things in my life and around me and, you know, but yeah, I did chuckle and I really liked that harmony thing. And then I heard the guy went to jail and I was like, well, there you go. Thank God I know to pay attention to the message and not worry about who the messenger is. Uh, it's funny you mention that. I, uh, I've i been um, allowing myself to rest when I'm tired, which, what a concept. Um, but, I mean, like, really, really paying attention to it. And so uh, my routine has been to I do, do several hours worth of work and then I'll take a break. I'll eat lunch and like a late lunch and then um, take a little nap or um, like yesterday I watched a movie in the afternoon and then I did more work in the evening after it. And I mean, I do work for myself, so that is allowed, right? I can put in my hours whenever I want. <laughs> what a concept. But anyway, um, I watched The Secret again. So... I recently saw him. Yeah. Uh, I ha- Yeah, I hadn't watched the movie again knowing how his life uh, panned out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just goes to show. I suspect if any, you know, I don't think anybody really predicted that. I wouldn't have predicted that outcome for him. I mean, he's out now. I was looking up something recently and, you know, he popped back up and, you know, he's, I guess, doing, you know, seminars again or whatever. That's his thing. So, I mean, I don't know that I would sign up, but. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to to get butts in seats, but, I mean, I can imagine the the challenge he has getting his seminars filled. That's pretty bad. There's another... There's another teacher from The Secret that I hung out with for a while, and we used to joke in our community that um, she kept, like, going to different continents, and we're like, you know, eventually everyone's going to catch up. (laughs) There's only seven continents. (laughs) Just make sure you're saving your money, because at the end of the seventh one, (laughs) pretty sure everyone's going to be on TS. Wow. Everyone's going to be on what? Everyone's going to be on to you by the time you've reached the, you know, it's like, well, there's got to be people who never heard about it, who never, you know, you know, weren't, didn't know anything about it at the time or whatever, but <laughs> funny. You know, and, and the one that I worked for, I worked for one too, and, um, that did not end well. I yeah. guess, I mean, the, maybe the moral of the story is um, the, I, 
I hear he's doing well now. All right, a couple years ago, I hear that he um, had made progress in overcoming some personal challenges that he had been facing. Um, so I guess they're they're just human beings like the rest of us. It's just I guess because they choose to be public figures, they end up working out their issues in front of an audience. Yep. No, oh, and wow. Which, you know, it's cool if you're honest about it. You know, I have a lot of respect for people who are like, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. It's the folks that are like, you know, I've got this all figured out. Follow my formula. And then you find out that they're like, you know, not who you thought they were. Yeah, all just human beings trying to do what we're trying to do. You know, that's funny. I one of my new doctors, um, I I I walked in, I met her for the first time, and the first words out of my mouth are, "Oh my God, you're so pretty." <laughs> Here she she comes walking out, and she's like, you know, five eleven, slender like beautiful dressed in this uh very casual but super cool outfit and i'm like oh my god you're so pretty and then i apologize i'm like i'm so sorry i just you're not what i pictured i said oh and then i and then i said i'm a little nervous to be here because i've never seen you know this type of doctor she looked at me and she said you know what I'm just like everybody else. I'm just a human being like everybody else trying to figure it out. And it was such a cool moment for me. You know, here's this very physically beautiful person. And you know what we see on TV, you know, and I know better, but we see this on TV that, they, you know, like watching The Voice, you know, they're super talented and beautiful people and they, they act cool. They act like they're in on something. But this woman didn't do that. She's like, oh, I'm just like everybody else, trying to figure it out as we go along. And, oh, my God, the relaxation. I could physically feel like my whole core relaxed. And it just, mm. you know what? It, like, made me, it made me feel, like, less isolated and, like, more of part of the human race instead of isolated as someone with this problem. You know, I was having a health challenge. I needed help sorting it out. And instead of here's this expert who's going to tell me what to do, I felt like we were, you know, partnering. And that was very, very healing on a very deep level. It was very calming for me. And and you know what? I'm so glad we're talking about this because um, sometimes people that I work with uh, put me on a little bit of a pedestal, and I just realized while we were talking that it actually kind of feels good when they do that, but I think it's something to caution against, you know, and I might use my doctor's line. I have one one coaching client who um, gives me a lot of positive feedback, 
and I I need I feel like I need to receive it in a little I need to shift the way that I'm receiving that and maybe have more of the approach that my doctor had with me that you know I'm you know we're all just human beings trying to figure out trying to figure this out as we go So glad we talked about that this morning because she sent me a text yesterday that I mean I must have read it like five times I'm like oh like she was in appreciation of me and kind of putting me on a pedestal a little bit and I don't think that that serves anyone right we don't want to create any kind of dependence my goal in my coaching is to well I gotta I gotta finish the end of that sentence. My goal in my coaching is to work together to have an interdependence, help one another well, and to help people get in touch with their own wisdom and their own intuition. not to be someone's guru. Yeah. It's tricky though cuz it, it is there is a point where it's like you know, to me that's like the big dance, right? As a coach is being open to receive that so that you aren't discounting the value that you're putting into the world, you know, um, but also not overinflating it either. You know, it's that dance between the two extremes for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're never we're never really there. We just get better at it as we go. I wonder how jail changed him, if it did, if his approach is different now. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. I haven't really done a lot by way of, you know, following up with things with him. Like, I, I haven't really followed followed along. I mean, I, I heard what happened in the news and, you know, and then something came up and his name came up. So I clicked on it just for kind of as a matter matter of interest because he did you know, go to jail for, you know, I mean, I didn't follow the legal case, so I don't, I don't exactly know what happened, but, you know, it seems like he was found guilty of something, or whatever that was, and I don't know what the part was that he played in all of it, I don't really know all the details, but, um, yeah, it's an interesting question. But I went to one of his live events. So I did get oh, yeah? to watch him. 
yeah, I got to watch him live and how he how he did it live and there was definitely some he didn't exactly have a small ego, I'm going to say. So it, it felt like there was like for me, a lot of it landed is more about him being an ego. And, you know, Amanda and I have talked about this because, you know, I think when you start to start to do self-development kind of stuff and all that, it's easy to get into kind of the phrase I'll, I'll use is, you know, believe in your own press, so to speak. Like, I think it's easy to get into that. I think it's seductive. And I honestly think that that's one of the things that for me is a risk that I have to pay attention to for myself um, is not to get into all that because I think it is seductive. And, you know, I think there can be pedestal putting and all of that. And so I think it's important to approach things in a certain kind of way. So, you know, because for me, I'm honest with myself about the fact that that, that part is an area where I want to practice caution for myself. And so, yeah, when I was at his program, there, there was just, there was a lot of, you know, I, I felt less about it being about the other people in the room and more of it was about it being about him. And, you know, that, that kind of landed with me. And it didn't mean that I didn't think he had good things to say and all that. I I, I genuinely thought he had some really good things to say but there was this kind of wobble in it because of, you know, how in Wallace's work he, he talks about, you know, giving more in use value than you take in cash value. And, you know, just like, I mean, the, the expression is, it's kind of like what somebody's intention or where are they, you know, where are they coming from? And I think he was kind of had already taken an off ramp of he was coming from it being about himself. And it it felt that way to me. I could be completely wrong, but that's how it felt to me. And so I remember taking note of that when I was there. Um, but I also thought he had some really good things to say, too. So, you know, it's a mix. Mixed bag. I think we're all, we're all human and we all do things. And I hope he, you know, I hope he's in a different space from it, but I guess I'd have to see some of his stuff in order to know that. So, you know, see how, what my gut check was about it, so. But yeah, I mean, that's probably pretty far away from, you know, being a great and noble, where the heck is my line? and noble soul. <laughs> I think his fall from grace is, you know, kind of, I think what happens when, you know, things get run amok. At least that's my perception, so. And I even think there's some cautionary, right, because this chapter we're reading, it's kind of all about trusting your own self, your own intuition, 
when you feel deeply impelled to take a course which seems contrary to all reason and worldly judgment, take that course. Listen to the suggestions and advice of others, but always do what you feel deeply in what you feel deeply in the within to be the right thing to do. Rely with absolute faith at all times on your own perception of truth. Be sure that you listen to God, that you do not act in haste, fear, or anxiety. You may make occasional mistakes at first because of your imperfect understanding of the within, but you will soon be guided almost invariably right. All that is necessary to be guided absolutely in all things by your inner light, by all that is necessary is to be guided absolutely in all things by your inner light, your perception of truth. Obey your soul, have perfect faith in yourself, never think of yourself with doubt or distrust or as one who makes mistakes. If I judge, my judgment is just, for I seek not honor from men, but from the Father only. That's always the journey is, you know, going back to a touch point of, you know, my being guided by God or ego or, and I think when I'm looking at other people, I can see it easier. So, And the hurry and habit. I had to laugh at this first paragraph. No doubt you may have many problems, domestic, social, physical, and financial, which seem to you to be pressing for instant solution. You have debts which must be paid or other obligations which must be met. You are unhappily or unharmoniously placed and feel that something must be done at once. Do not get into a hurry and act from superficial impulses. You can trust God for the solution of all your personal riddles. There is no hurry. There is only God, and all is well with the world. Sure. I'm sure if we just read that to American Express, <laughs> that's what I was thinking about when I read that. That's because that's my favorite credit card. I use my American Express card all the time. Uh, I'm sure they'd get right on that bandwagon. There is an invincible power in you, and the same power is in the things you want. Oh, yeah, I really love this section. It is bringing them to you and bringing you to them. This is a thought that you must grasp and hold continuously, that the same intelligence which is in you is in the things you desire. They are impelled toward you as strongly and decidedly as your desire impels you toward them. The tendency, therefore, of a steadily held thought must be to bring the things you desire to you and to group them around you. So long as you hold your thought and your faith, so long as you hold your thought and your faith right, all must go well. Nothing can go wrong but your own personal attitude, and that will not be wrong if you trust and are not afraid. Hurry is a manifestation of fear. He who fears not has plenty of time. 
If you act with perfect faith in your own perceptions of truth, you will never be too late or too early, and nothing will go wrong. If things appear to be going wrong, do not get disturbed in mind. It is only an appearance. Nothing can go wrong in this world but yourself, and you can go wrong only by getting into the wrong mental attitude. Hurry and fear will instantly cut your connection with the universal mind. You will get no power, no wisdom, and no information until you are calm. And to fall into the attitude of hurry will check the action of the principle of power within you. Your fear turns strength to weakness. I thought that was a bold statement. Remember that poise and power are inseparably associated. The calm and balanced mind is the strong and great mind. The hurried and agitated mind is the weak one. Well, I proved that yesterday. <laughs> I don't really think I was in power and poise yesterday, was I, Ellen? <laughs> about it in depth he does talk about or anyway the way that I hear it coming from him is that it's it's important for us to get to a place of poise yeah I, 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 I right and so I think that being in process processing difficult feelings you know feeling them number one and then expressing them maybe writing about them talking to a trusted friend who is a good witness Right, and then you know, working through them, I think that helps us get to poise. Right? Agreed. We need to allow ourselves. Yeah, we need to allow ourselves the process, and the process. Yeah, I totally this is what that. Amanda, right? It's what Amanda's work is all about, right? The process isn't pretty, girlfriend. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty. Agreed. Yeah, and he says that, right, in the preceding chapter. He talked about how we cannot, we're not, you know, we don't get to great instantaneously. Uh, in the instant, I think he says, we have to do small things, you know, in a great way so that we can grow into it. And I was just really identifying, because I know for me, the more at peace I am, the easier it is to make decisions, no matter how hard they are. And... I mean, in my professional life, a lot of times that's been one of my greatest strengths is, you know, like I can handle a lot of things being upside down and disrupted and have a lot of things going on at once and kind of it's it's why I've been able to have some of the jobs that I've had, you know, and, you know, sometimes like the more challenging a situation is like kind of the more I can find my equilibrium in it. I mean, so. Yeah, I remember Thank it. you, Challenging Childhood, for giving me that superpower. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. In fact, do you remember Damn. that one workshop Please. you did in Laguna Hills, Amanda, with all the. Oh, oh my God. Yes. How can I Oh, my God. 
mean, 60 or 70. I don't know. I think it was 60 teens. Like, that was crazy. But it worked out okay. Like, we found our we found our way through it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I agree, Alan. I think it is a process. And, you know, I just know when I'm really, like, when I'm in, you know, you know, if I'm in some kind of, like, emotional upheaval, I'm not always, you know, there's a, I'm not, a, I'm not always in the height of my power. I mean, a lot of times I'm super funny when I'm mad. I can be really <laughs> funny if I really let myself go with it. But, um, yeah, so. I'm going to have this part. You must form now a greater and better habit. You must form a conception of yourself <clears throat> as a being of limitless power and habitually think that you are that being. It is the habitual, not the periodical thought that decides your destiny. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a statement right there. Is the habitual, not the periodical thought that decides your destiny. So, no big deal. Just your destiny. (laughs) Is that it? That's all. Well, that's actually very relieving. So, when we go through, you know, we have a blip on the radar screen and, like, in this moment I feel like God has abandoned me, that's not going to write my face, Right. That's not going to write my destiny. It's my, you know, my more habitual thought that God loves me. God is guiding me. The universe supports me. I'm surrounded by love all the time. I constantly see coincidences happening in my life that let me know that a higher power of my understanding is guiding my fate. Let me write that down. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> what did I just say? That was great. <laughs> I don't think I can repeat it, but you can go back to the recording. Uh, it'll be there. Wow. Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, the, the, when we're in process, it's uncomfortable. I mean, our our neurons are being rewired, right? Oh, absolutely. It's disruptive to homeostasis, right? Everything inside of us screams, change, change, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, and I, you know, I was journaling about my upheaval yesterday, and about the Amanda. It's about it's about my old boyfriend, and that just that after doing inventory work and stuff, kind of somewhat making a connection between kind of my family of origin stuff with tolerating certain things from my family of origin, and you know, and that got extrapolated out to him. And so just, you know, coming to terms with some of that stuff and just, I was just kind of in a fit yesterday and I mean, mad at myself and mad at him both, like, 
and over the weekend, like in like uber grief about stuff with my primarily with my dad, you know, just really coming to terms with the fact that, um, you know, as it relates to whoever the woman is in my life, whether it's my mother, or Janice, or whoever, you know, if he has to, he's always going to choose them. He always has, and he always will. And, um, and I'm an adult now, so now I can protect myself from it. And also, it still hurts. And just moving through that. So when I was watching this television series, I was binge-watching a television series over the weekend, and it was just pushing all these buttons. So it, like, had me in the ugly cry several times over the weekend, um, which is good because it's purging it and seeing it, and then just also kind of clearing some stuff out, and, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I don't want this guy in my life anymore, Um, because nothing good comes of it for me, it just never does, good things come of it for him, but not for me, and, um, and I just, I want, I want to give myself something better, I want to make space for something better for myself, and, I don't want to make space for people that it's easy, you know, that find it easy to walk away from me and, you know, that view me as disposable. And, you know, I don't think that's the word he would use, but his actions communicate that, you know. And so there's connections with all that stuff. So it's just kind of walking through that stuff. And I, I wasn't feeling very... I wasn't feeling too happy about it yesterday. Not that I'm feeling happy about it now, but I'm I'm a little bit closer to acceptance around some of it. Yesterday, I was just freaking pissed. And, you know, and yesterday I was more pissed at him than I was myself. And you know, I spent a lot of time being mad at myself over it. And so I kind of felt, you know, maybe in some ways, like it's progress that I'm pissed off at him about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, because I spent a lot of time being hurt over stuff with him by just being good and mad at him. So I I basically kind of journaled yesterday and put to paper all the stuff I'd like to say that I'm not going to say. And my daughter gave me this great patch, like a, an iron-on patch for a jacket or something, which I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't be able to iron it onto something. But I think I've talked about this before, but it says, fuck you, you fucking fuck. <laughs> And she found it when we were, it's so funny. And she found it the last, when we were in Thailand, which is basically the last time I interacted with the guy. And so that was the last time that I was like hurt and mad at him. And that was the last time that I actually really could summon up like a real good pissed off at him. So anyways, I'm just kind of having a chuckle about that because that's basically part of what the journaling is, is, you know. Fuck you, you fucking fuck. Like, <laughs> it just sums it up perfectly in the economy of words. So, I like it. Mm-hmm. So, I think this, you know, this thing about, you know, it's our habitual thought that decides destiny. And then the last part here, do not try to become great by repeating mere strings of words or superficial formulae. 
that that's the problem I've always had with positive affirmations is you know, I just it just has always felt hollow to me. So mm-hmm. and it it says do not try to become great by repeating mere strings of words or superficial formulae, but repeat over and over the thought of your own power and ability until you classify external facts and decide your place everywhere by this idea. And then it says we'll go on to do a mental exercise, but like that, this that's a new idea for me because I can think of places where I actually do really feel like I'm in my power and ability and I feel like I'm kind of in that, I'm in that place. Like where I can feel that sense of myself and the connection with God. I can feel places in my current life where I feel like God and I are synced up and things are working well and I'm I'm kind of in the zone. And so I like the idea of kind of um, tapping into that that thought and feeling and trying to expand that out. So I got with a friend of mine and we're like doing this accountability thing. And so I'm writing my list of, you know, basically five things I'm committing to do each day. And so I send the list the night before and then I, and so, and one of them for me was, you know, getting really back anchored into my meditation and like meditation and visualization practice and my writing practice. So this is a great thing to read right now to try and move out from that, from that place. So I don't know if that's what this means, but that's how I'm going to interpret it. I'm going to give it a whirl. What can it hurt? <laughs> At least it'll feel more authentic than something, you know, that I'm trying to grow into that I, you know, that I have, don't have belief about. Because at least this is it's something that I can connect with and feel and own. He packs a lot of stuff into just a few pages. Yeah. And he makes it all sound so simple. So simple. Sure. It's like it's like a magic wand. Just think. Mhm. And maybe for some people it is, but that hasn't been my experience. Me neither. Mm-hmm. Taking more work than that. That's all I got, ladies. I just looked at the clock. I have to hop off. All righty. I got a little lost with y'all. But um, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you, guys. Next week, yeah. same time. Same time, same yep. place. Okay. Talk to you all guys right. then. Okay. Bye. 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 Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.